0: I think that the hardest part was actually just me putting aside my imposter syndrome and my self-doubt and knowing that I could like crush this job and knowing that I had the support to be able to put that out there in a way that was super clear to them. And I knew that I could get this job. I knew that I could do this job. And I think the hardest part was just getting out of my own way, as is often the case in new endeavors. Being a Circus Boss is all about being confident
1: on and off stage. It's about you living more of those powerful moments when time stands still, and your audience is captivated and connected, and everything feels right in the world. Welcome to the Circus Boss Podcast. This is the
0: space where we talk about all things business and marketing related to circus so you can make those big dreams happen
1: we're your co-hosts brock and Eiley, and we help circus performers and producers manage your business with ease so you can spend more time on the flying trapeze so if you're a circus boss that's ready for more hit subscribe and join us every week your audience awaits Hey guys, gals and non-binary pals, it's Ailee here and today I have a guest episode, a very fun one with Elizabeth Rose aka Liza Rose from New Orleans and we're going to talk about an opportunity that she had choreographing for a celebrity. If you're curious about what that world is like, we're going to talk about that in a minute but I want to introduce Liza in case you don't know her. She's an aerialist, choreographer, producer, director, and circus educator based in New Orleans. She specializes in static trapeze, rope, and sculptural apparatus, and also performs aerial silks, hoop, and hammock. Liza has a contemporary dance and gymnastics background and dabbles in floor acrobatics, hand balancing, and object manipulation. She has been called the Grande Dame of New Orleans Circus. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And she is the founding director of Fly Circus Space. So in this episode, I mentioned we're talking about a recent job she had choreographing for a celebrity. And now we recorded this in December, and with all of the rush of the holidays, I wasn't able to get the episode out until today. So the tour that we're talking about in the episode already happened. But we also talk about a workshop that That Liza has with Anna Thomas Henry in New Orleans at the end of January, and there is still time to be a part of that. So we will talk about the workshop a little bit later in the episode, but I wanted to give you a heads up that that part of the episode is still current. And the last thing I wanted to say is that when I went back to edit this, I noticed that my sound quality was totally off on this one. So I'm sorry about that. I like to pay attention to these things. My wife is a DJ. We care about production value, right but sometimes things happen and either I had my microphone turned off or I didn't have it connected correctly because it just sounds like the microphone on my computer was just picking up my sound and I I'm, an, I'm in a minute like a room. So just imagine either you're here in the room with me when you're listening or maybe pretend we're in a zoom meeting together and it should be fine. So anyhow, thanks for being here and uh, let's go ahead and roll the tape. So Elizabeth Rose, Liza Rose, so glad to have you here on the Circus Boss podcast. And I shared a little bit with our audience in our introduction, like your official Mm -hmm. bio, but I just wanted to hear in your own words, what do you do and who do you work with?
0: Hi, Ailee. How are you doing? it's good to talk to you um
1: it is and you know I'm always that like let's get down to business so thanks for like (laughs) helping me pause and recognize this is my old friend Elizabeth Rose we've known each other for like
0: at least 15 years I think yeah at least that so it's good to talk to you let's see so in my own words what do I do and who do I work with well I'm Elizabeth Rose most people know me as Liza I've been doing circus for a long time about 19 years now. And currently I live in New Orleans and I run a small studio here called Fly Circus Space. I do my own work. I produce a monthly show called the Fly Movement Salon, which is sort of like an open mic night for circus performers (laughs) here in New Orleans. And we're just getting started back up again post-pandemic, and I'm very excited about that.
1: That's great. I'm Um, I'm glad to see. I saw the post about those, so I'm so happy to see that return.
0: Yeah, mostly I, a few years, well, pre-pandemic anyway, I was doing a lot of corporate events here in New Orleans because there are a lot of events here in New Orleans. There are conventions, there are Mardi Gras balls. This is a destination for weddings and holiday events, so there are frequently just like Huge parties, big events where they need, you know, sparkly danglers. And I've been doing tons of that. I started out doing a lot of contemporary circus work, which I still do and I still love. But being here, I've sort of Discovered and developed a love for being a sparkly dangler. There's something to be said mm-hmm. for wearing my silver unitard and lots of glitter and hanging a convention center full of insurance salesmen <laughs> and-, <Yes. laughs> and and and, the, and just the interaction that you have there is so much different than the interaction that you have with a contemporary circus crowd who came to your show on purpose. And in a way it's those people are filled with a certain type of wonder and confusion <laughs> seeing you up there that I just think is sort of wonderful. Anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with That's you on that. that. And what, what I, I'll just add to that really quick before we move on is that, you know, a lot of the people at these conferences at events didn't buy a ticket to a show and some of them didn't even know there was going to be entertainment right so there there is that like uh-huh. some, they think that you're like the best thing in the world and uh-huh.
0: that's fun. yeah I know I'm just you know and I'm just like hanging from the ceiling and looking at all of these people looking up at me and I just feel sometimes I feel like a little like fairy godmother of Ariel and I'm just like saying you have a wonderful time and you have a wonderful time gesturing at them, you know, from up there. It's a sort of wonderful and bizarre experience that I just appreciate a lot these days. I love it. So well, I do a lot of creating weird little pieces for the salon, my monthly show, and then I teach a ton of people. Yeah.
1: And I wanted to talk to you today for so many reasons, of course, but you just have this awesome job where you were choreographing. Mm-hmm. Aerial acts for Lindsay Sterling and her dancers for their mm-hmm. winter tour. And of course, this is like super ironic because, like, you know, how many aerialists <laughs> use Lindsay Sterling's music for their act, right? So I'm just curious. Yeah, we really can't see you, audience, we feel you. If you're listening <laughs> and you've ever choreographed to Lindsay Sterling's music before, go ahead and just raise your hand. <laughs> and
0: mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm.
1: got my hand. Be raised. honest i got my memories because I've done it too. So, what have you, Lisa? Did, have you choreographed to Lindsay's music before?
0: I haven't, but a lot of my students have. I've definitely helped, you know, my pre professional students put together acts to her music. And everybody knows who she is. Everybody. And she, you know what? She didn't know that. I oh. so, I told her that, and she had no idea because I posted something about it while we were in LA doing creation for the show. And everybody started commenting on my post and saying, oh, my God, Lindsay Sterling! Yeah, of course. Duh. Uh, crystallized. Duh. You know, <laughs> right, right. Crystallized. And I showed I showed her that thread and she was like, what are you kidding me? She's like, I had no idea. She was like, it's she's like, that's so magical. I love when my art inspires other people's art. And she was like, I can't believe I called this beautiful art form into my life. She was super stoked. <laughs> she didn't know, though. That's so cool.
1: Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yay. (laughs) And that she felt honored that there's all these aerialists everywhere (laughs) choreographing to her. Yeah. Yeah. I want to like ask you a ton of questions about the job, of course, but I want to start with something that I feel like people don't talk about enough in our industry. It's like, how did you actually get the job? Like, did you see a post somewhere or announcement or was it like a personal connection? Like, how'd you actually find out about this? It
0: was a personal connection. I have an old friend who is a rigger, old Cirque du Soleil rigger and, you know, various LA West Coast stuff. He and I have known each other since about, gosh, I want to say maybe 2005. And he worked for Lindsay. On one of her other tours. And he, I guess he's not working for her currently, but I guess they came to him and they said, you know, Lindsay wants to learn Ariel and she wants to play her violin on a trapeze. And he said, Oh, I know who can do that. And he was thinking about me because he knows of my experience with sculptural apparatus and working with props and doing all of the sort of contemporary stuff that I've done. He also knows that I'm a coach and a you know and a teacher, and he just thought that I would have the right skill set for that. So he recommended me. And Lindsay was currently on tour. They came to New Orleans, and I went and met with them at the sound check. And we, we hit it off from right then and there. And I didn't know if I was ever going to hear from them again or, you know, but I felt like we had a positive experience, like with meeting and just chatting about stuff. The timeline was a little strange because they were still on tour and it was COVID and all this stuff, but they did finally get back to me. I thought it right when I thought it wasn't going to happen, I get an email saying, yes, this is a go. We're doing it. And I was like, what? So that's how it kind of (laughs) happened.
1: So it's important to keep those relationships going, right? And stay in touch with people, Mm -hmm. I think is the moral of the story. Remember that work can come from any direction.
0: Yeah. And share your work online. Like, you know, this friend of mine, his name is Scott. He hasn't seen me perform in many years, but he's seen my work online. And, you know, and he'll leave a like or a little comment. And I'll say, hey, thanks, Scott. I hope you're doing well. Just maintaining those relationships is turns out is super key.
1: Absolutely. And so you found out about it, you got to meet them, which is great. Always having that personal connection is awesome. And obviously Mm -hmm. with the referral, but then what would you say actually helped you land the job? Like, okay, now you're, it's happening.
0: (laughs) It's happening. Well, I had no idea how to write a proposal for this kind of job or what to charge for this kind of job. I have done a lot of different kinds of work in the circus industry. I've choreographed, I've I've produced events, I've been at events, I've directed shows, I've done all, you know, I've done all of the things. I've never done choreography for a touring musician before and I was I didn't know what was going to happen. So, so I called you, Iley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and, spoiler alert. It was Circus Boss. So, I called Iley and or, or I emailed you and I said, "I have this chance to choreograph for Lindsay Sterling and I have no idea what to tell them. Like they're asking me for a rate. What do I say?" <laughs> and you did a bunch of research about what dance choreographers get paid and what per diems are and in different places in the world, in different parts of the country, Canada, America, all of this stuff. You went and did all of the research that I didn't know that I needed to do or didn't wouldn't even know where to start with. And you put it all together for me. And then we had a phone call and you said, these are the rates for this. This is what people get paid for dance choreo. This is what people get paid for that. So let's start there. And we did, and we put together this proposal. You also helped me in the proposal talk about like my previous work and why they should hire me and write a little cover letter and all of this stuff. And it was super profesh. I felt like a big time professional. It was like much, I felt much more comfortable doing that than I would have just sending them an email back going, I don't know, like, I don't know, like $10,000. You know, <laughs> that's, yeah. I guess, what I should charge. You know, you helped me break it down. You helped me consider all the little things like travel days, per diem, you know, the things that, so that, because oftentimes on jobs that happens, you get nickeled and dime because you forgot about nice. this or that expense that you were going to incur. And you were really detail oriented about that, which was super helpful. I went back to them with that proposal and. They actually were surprised at that. They were like, oh, like, well, okay. And they.
1: So, like, surprised they, in, a, I, like, wow, she's got it all together, or surprised in, oh, I didn't think it was going to be this much, or surprised. Like, were they surprised about the price or the process, or just impressed at the presentation? What was the surprise? Yeah, they,
0: they, I think, were not, well, first of all, they'd never hired a circus professional before. And I think they were surprised that I was, you know, coming at them with this whole proposal because the negotiations up until that point were not really negotiations, really. They were just casual conversations. I think they were impressed at the professionalism displayed there. And they were not shocked at the price or anything like that. It wasn't like that at all. What they told me actually was that whenever they'd hired a dance choreographer in the past, they had just hired that person. And then that person sends them an invoice at the end of their gig, like when they're done doing their choreography. And I was like, oh, and I had to tell them, I was like, that's not typically what we do in circus. Right, and I and had especially- to explain to them
1: Because of COVID, like you, you were going to be putting work in ahead Mm -hmm. of time and, you know, the tour Mm -hmm. could have been canceled. And then what? (laughs) You're just trusting Mm -hmm. that they're going to, you know, out of goodwill pay you for the work that you had already done.
0: Right. Right. That feels very scary, especially when I'm spending time in the studio choreographing this work and instead of teaching or instead of taking gigs, you know, I have to make sure that I'm compensated from the beginning of that process. So yeah, I kind of had to explain to them like this is how we do it, you know, this is the contract. I'll expect half up front, you know, and they were like, "Oh, okay." And once I told them, you know, this is how we do it. I just said, this is how we do it in the circus industry. Mm-hmm. This is what we're used to. They were like, oh, "Okay. Well, they were like, we'll just send us an invoice now." So I did that, which we had already done as part of the proposal, we had sort of included in a breakdown of the services. So I just used that breakdown to create an invoice, I sent it to them. And then they ended up just paying me the whole lump sum up front before I even went to LA.
1: Oh, great. Even better.
0: Even though I told them, you know, half is due now and half is due, you know, when services are rendered, they just paid it all. Awesome. Like, Thanks. <laughs>
1: Well, and you know, I do have to give you a lot of credit too. Part of what made that proposal so impressive, we talked it through on the phone, but you really had this plan in mind of like, how are you going to achieve this? Because it's a unique situation. You're choreographing Mm -hmm. for essentially non aerialists You know, we've Mm -hmm. done similar things where we taught trapeze and choreographed an act for a bat mitzvah girl for her bat mitzvah. But this scenario, yeah, it was really fun. This scenario was a little different because... Well, they weren't aerialists. They were professional dancers. And Lindsay, I mm-hmm. think, has done a little bit of aerial. But I'd love mm-hmm. to hear, I don't know, like, something about your process. Like, how did you make sure they were going to be safe? Like, what kind of training did you have them do to prepare? Because they had to learn aerial and then learn choreography. Mm-hmm. So, like, how did you know what they would be capable of? Like, any anything you could yeah. share about this process, that was also part of what you mapped out in your proposal, as you explained, this is the, mm-hmm. the pathway to achieve this goal that you're asking me for. Like it involves these number of steps.
0: I had seen these girls dance. I'd seen them move. I knew they had a lot of technique, you know, movement technique. Mm-hmm. They have good understanding of biomechanics, which is a great place to start. That was really the only reason why I believed that this was possible because mm-hmm. of their prior training. And I, What I did was create a curriculum for them, like a fast track level one aerial curriculum. I first sent them uh, ground conditioning workouts, a ton of active flexibility, splits, hips, back bends, shoulders, and a pull-up bar workout that they could do at home. And then they started doing those workouts. I I sent them to them and then a week later, we had Zoom calls where I checked in with them and watched them do the exercises. They asked me questions, you know, I checked their techniques. So we did a lot of that remotely. And I, I got them to a place where I was confident that they had stability in their shoulders, stability in their core, you know, the basic things that they needed to start learning skills. Then I did a bunch of skill videos for them on trapeze and on hoop, which are the apparatus that they were gonna use in their show. And I filmed those. And then I sent them to a friend of mine who's a coach in Los Angeles and she worked with them in person to implement that curriculum, that skill curriculum. Then I just took the skills and the little bit of transitions that I had given them in that curriculum and I turned that into their choreography. So I rolled in about two weeks before they left for tour and laid down the choreo for them. And they picked it up immediately because they knew every single one of the skills because I'd already given it to them in their curriculum. And that's- so smart.
1: And it- <laughs> yeah. I-, I saw some of your posts while you were there working with the performers. And it sounds like things went really well, right?
0: They went great, yeah they went great. We had, we had plenty of time in the studio. I mean, those, since those girls are professional dancers, they're used to being able to pick up choreography. I mean, in one viewing, like they'll, they watch and they sit there and they're like, they're like counting in their head while they're watching me. And then they're like, okay. And you know, They just busted out like that part of your brain is a very specific and special part of your brain the learning choreography part Uh and i knew that they that would be right on for them that they wouldn't as long as they knew the vocabulary the skills you know the x y and z the because like the pullovers and the front balances and the knee hang of trapeze are like the tendus and the jetes and the pirouettes of ballet and I knew that these girls would totally understand, like, having a movement vocabulary and then putting it together in a dance as choreography. And they did. They were awesome. They are awesome. I love that with. you
1: just made that analogy because I did, um, oh, I was thinking it was a podcast episode, but it was actually an IG Live with Emily Sherb. And I kind of asked her a similar uh-huh. question. I was like, so what are the plies and tendus of circus? And of course I made it too broad because each skill is going to be different. So, but like for Ariel, I love that. <laughs> Those are like the plies and i uh-huh. So I'm, I'm yep. curious, like now that you've finished they're they're on tour right now, right? Do they, they're still mm. performing and touring?
0: They are on tour. I think their tour ends Christmas Eve, 23rd Christmas Eve. <laughs> I think cool. it's their last, I think it's their last show in uh, Jackson. But I'm going to go see the show in Mobile on the 22nd if you want to come. Oh, cool.
1: Oh, my gosh. I have a, I have a friend in town on the 22nd, unfortunately. Oh, that was oh, so fun. Oh, dang. Yeah.
0: Figures oh. you're not too far
1: away. I know. We're closer now. But I'm in Florida. Yeah. Um, so what would you say was your favorite part of the job? Gosh.
0: <laughs> I love creation. So my favorite part of circus is the creation part. If I could just be in the studio choreographing and noodling around and making little bits of movement, and that could be my whole circus job, Mm -hmm. I would do that all the time. So I really loved just being able to, we trained at Womack and Bowman, their studio in North Hollywood Mm -hmm. in LA. So I loved being able to just roll up to the studio and have the dancers there and just go through that process of creation you know I didn't know what I wasn't entirely sure whether or not they'd be able to knock out all the choreo like I felt very confident but I also had backup versions (laughs) just in case there were some skills that weren't as solid as they needed to be and It was just such a fun and pleasant process being able to just be in rehearsal with these professionals and see it kind of come together and see them make it their own, see them personalize it. I loved that part, that
1: was Mm. fun. So side note for anyone that's listening, if choreography and noodling around in the studio is not your strength,
0: then here's somebody (laughs) who can do that for you. I love it. I love it. I'd spend every day, all day doing that if I could.
1: And so, you know, I always like to ask all these kind of questions about it, but what would you say was the hardest part of that, this whole
0: experience? I think that the hardest part was actually just me, Putting aside my imposter syndrome and my self-doubt and knowing that I could like crush this job and knowing that I had the support to be able to put that out there in a way that was super clear to them. And I knew that I could, I knew I could get this job. I knew that I could do this job. And I think the hardest part was just getting out of my own way, as is often the case in new endeavors. You know, Mm -hmm. I've never done this I've done so much but I've never done this before so suddenly I'm like oh my goodness what if I'm not good enough and then I'm like (laughs) what what am I talking about but it always comes up And then when you're doing it,
1: you're like, oh, I could totally do this, right? That's how I've experienced before. Oh,
0: can I do it? Can I do it? And
1: then when you're doing the thing, you're like,
0: (laughs) of course, I'm rocking it. What was I ever worried about? Of course, I can do the thing. I have every skill I need to take care of this. But, you know, you were so critical during that phase of this job. Because when I, when the job first presented itself, I was like, how do I make it clear that I can do this? Not only to them, but also to myself. Hmm. So talking to you and getting your feedback and getting your help with the proposal and putting it all together and looking at it and being like, oh yeah, I do have the chops to do this. I do know how it's done. This is what it's worth. This is how I approach it. Just helped put me at ease in that way Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that but that's true with
1: the like the proposal part of that process is you you put all all of your ideas and experience and into a package and all of a sudden it makes it something concrete for you to look at and be and give you confidence too Mm -hmm. I hadn't even thought of that but Mm -hmm.
0: I've
1: I've certainly experienced that myself I've just never put words to that so
0: yeah cool well you did that for me on this job so I appreciate (gasps) you well, I'm
1: happy because when you told me about the opportunity, I was like, okay, we're going to make this happen. You know, like, what can we
0: do? We're, we're going to make this happen. So I was so excited when it did happen. You were like, we're going to get you this job. I was like, okay, <laughs> I trust you. Yay. It, just, it just felt good to have somebody other than me, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. it's just somebody other than me trying on my behalf.
1: I got your back. I got your back. So what
0: would you say is like, was your biggest takeaway from working with them? well personally my biggest takeaway was that i love doing this kind of work and i really hope that i get more of it it was fun it was a challenge there were there was there were a lot of moving parts but i was able to you know from the beginning of being like i'm gonna teach these non-aerialists aerial in six weeks (laughs) and then i'm gonna put them on stage looking like professionals from the beginning of that process, there was so much that went into it. And I loved doing all of it. It took so many of the things that I love about circus and put them all together. So my, I think my biggest takeaway personally was that I really like to do... This is a good iteration for me at this point in my career, especially. This is a really good iteration of Circus Professional that I really love. So anybody needs a choreographer, I got you. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah. And side note, let's do another coaching session on that because I have some ideas and on ways we can make more of that happen for you. And of course, anyone listening, she is a rock star at choreography. So you're talking about like this experience that you had choreographing and how you're realizing you want to do more of it. What if there are other performers out there that are like, Oh, okay. I love choreography too. I would love to get more work doing that. Do you have any advice for any other performers that want to get more
0: work choreographing? I would say collaborate, Mm. collaborate with your friends, collaborate with your circus friends, collaborate with your dancer friends, collaborate with your musician friends, collaborate with your filmmaker friends, collaborate with any other artist that you can. And just hone that skill of choreographing of taking another human being or another human being's body another human being's work and internalizing it and processing it and then turning it out again into the world through your own body and your own lens do that thing just do it choreograph on yourself choreograph on somebody else it doesn't matter but I think the collaboration of it is super key do yeah
1: thing. no I love it and you know, I realized that we kind of just jumped into this Lindsay Sterling opportunity at the beginning, but I, I forgot to ask and just want to share with our audience, you mentioned collaboration. That made me think back to the TikTok days.
0: was yeah. it your company
1: called TikTok?
0: Yeah, it was. <laughs> you were TikTok yeah, before TikTok. <laughs> I was. I have that experience so frequently. <laughs> you had a company called TikTok before TikTok was a
1: social media thing. but. Um,
0: yeah my the company was called TikTok Dance.
1: <laughs> yep, so I remember that, and that was in mm-hmm. Seattle. It was like contemporary circus and a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of site specific stuff. You had these cool sculptures For those that don't know you and aren't familiar with some of the awesome things that you've done, what would you say are some of your favorite highlights from your career?
0: Oh, I loved the TikTok show that I created with Jill and Bridget called Domestic Variations. I love that show. And then later, when I toured it here to New Orleans, I brought in Rachel Strickland and Sage. Bachelor Cushman to do the show with me. I, I loved that show, it was all sculptural apparatus. For me, it was one of the first times that I realized that one of the, the arching themes in like my personal work and my choreography is making the mundane into the fantastic. And that yeah. was for me one of one of the first times that I had a vision of doing that that came through really clearly. And just to try
1: to share some visuals, because I saw that show and loved it, but you had handstands on a kitchen stove, right? Mm -hmm. And then you had a window frame aerial apparatus.
0: And Mm -hmm. what else was there? There was a bed. There was a giant four-poster bed bed that we did a piece on, and Mm -hmm. like jumping on the bed sort of thing. And there was the bathtub. The bathtub, yes. Uh, Yeah. and then we had a kitchen table and chairs. We did a thing with all the chairs. Um, yeah, it was the premise of the show is that it was three different women that had lived in the same apartment at different times. And the timeline sort of kept slipping in and out of one another. And the thought was that, you know, we leave traces of ourselves and the places that we inhabit. And we don't even, we might not even be aware of how we're influencing the people that come after us and we not may not be aware of how we're influenced by the people who came before. That was what that show was about. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it was so it was beautiful.
1: And the the bed you had like these big posts mm-hmm. that you turned it into an aerial apparatus, right? You could hang from the top of it. Mm-hmm. The same with the bathtub, yeah. too. Like
0: yeah. A, yeah. Yeah, like a canopy bed and then we had the bathtub had like a shower curtain rack, but it was actually made as an aerial apparatus. Yeah, don't Did go do try this sense?
1: on your on your shower curtain at home.
0: <laughs> no, really, they were made as aerial apparatus. I loved that piece. I love that show. Um, and then other highlights of my career, my, my umbrella act, getting to perform my umbrella act at Tatras and Zani, at Mezzo Lunatico, their their late night shows when I was there in Seattle, that was very fun. And then performing it again at the U S aerial championships as a finalist yeah. in the U S aerial championships. I love the umbrella piece. I love the image of it. I love the story of it. And I love the challenge of performing it because that piece ain't easy. Yeah. I think I've seen that one live too. Have you, where'd you see it? Steve? In Seattle. I've performed it a bunch circus of dreams, Circus
1: of dreams. S- yeah.
0: Is that where you Yeah, saw? Circus of dreams. Yeah. That was a long time ago, Wiley. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I just have
1: to, to just throw in some things that one thing I knew and another thing I found out when we did your proposal process. But so I know that you'd performed with Zoe Keating, who's kind of another uh-huh. musician that a lot of aerialists have performed to. Again, I'm raising my hand. I've choreographed to Zoe Keating uh-huh. before. Uh-huh. But then you also performed with Queensryche,
0: right? Uh-huh. I did. <laughs> Queensryche did like a show where they had like a sort of carnival theme a while back. And when they, they were putting it together, they were doing sort of their like, their like test run in Washington at the Snoqualmie Casino. I know, very glamorous. Oh, wow. I've played some um, played some amazing venues just so you know Yeah, and that was when I was working I was working with Lara Paxton and the Arie Listas and they hired us to do that to oh, do those fun. shows at, at Snoqualmie Casino yeah so yeah I performed with Queensryche so just saying pretty big deal if you didn't know
1: <laughs> I love it and there was there was one other I lost it now oh American Horror Story right yeah Hmm. you were in one of those seasons
0: i am i'm i'm in um freak show the fourth season and i think it's the the premiere episode of that season i'm pretty sure it's episode one season four episode one and there's a scene where jessica lang's character is uh, singing life on mars she comes out on the stage in this powder blue suit and she she starts to sing this song. And then suddenly it changes into this like reverie of the whole theater full of people and there's confetti and there's mad things happening and there's aerialists. And so, and I'm one of them. So if you ever watch American horror story freak show season four, episode one, and you see Jessica Lange singing life on Mars, I'm the aerialist on the right. Well, I'm having on to her watch left. that on the right on your screen,
1: <laughs> house, house right, saves yeah. Left. So, and I just yeah. like you know I want to take a teachable moment here really quickly if I can, and then we'll get to just final questions. But the reason that I brought all of these experiences up, like the Queen's Reich, the Zoe Keating, Zoe Keating, sorry, mm-hmm. the American Horror Story, was these were elements that we talked about. What are when you're going to do a proposal, right? You're doing this proposal for Lindsay Sterling, so you want to show examples of work that you've done that are somewhere in the realm, in her realm, that she will yeah. appreciate. So we didn't include stuff about your contemporary circus in the proposal, right? We we focused on, right. you know, Queens Reich and Zoe Keating and the American Horror Story, and I think there was a few mm-hmm. others, but. You know, it's finding that relevant work history when you have a lot of history, finding what's the most relevant and bringing that into your proposal. You don't have to show them (laughs) a five page curriculum vitae, right? So yeah,
0: um, you don't. I think we just pulled like four or five photos of me performing on stage with Zoe, you know, some other things that were sort of like in that, you know, look, I've been on stage with musicians before. Mm-hmm. realm you know just something that's very visually easily gettable like you look at that picture and you go oh, okay she's done this before we just feel right. like a few she, things she gets it like she's going to understand our world yeah. we get that she's a circus performer mm-hmm. but does she
1: understand our world and I feel like you really accomplished that yeah. through that part of the proposal And so just to wrap it up, final questions are, since this podcast is all about empowering circus artists to be their own boss, and you are definitely your own boss, I'd love to ask, like, what's your favorite part about being your own boss? And what's your least favorite part about being your own boss?
0: Well, I've always been my own boss. I've never had like a nine to five job. I mean, I've had like side jobs, plenty of them. But in terms of like, I've never worked in an office. I've never been, you know, a salaried employee (laughs) anywhere. So, I mean, working for myself is sort of the norm for me. And I think that the thing that makes it really critically important to me is that I get to feel like I am A, in control of my time, even though I get overwhelmed and overcommitted. It's not anybody else's fault when that happens. It's just mine. So I don't have to feel like a wage slave ever. And I always have the control to change that. I can always say, like, I'm in in grad school right now. And I I can always say, like, you know what? I'm taking my availability down to four days of teaching a week or three days of teaching a week because I need to devote more time to studying. And Mm -hmm. I just do that. So it Mm -hmm. makes other things in my life possible. That's really critical. And then the hardest part is definitely... Being overcommitted, like yeah. I'll have these moments where I, where I'm like, okay, it looks like I I don't I don't have very many bookings this month, so I better get on the hustle and make some money. So I'll email my students, and then I'll reach out to my agent, and then I'll you know put some content online, and I'll do this, and then everything comes in at once. <laughs> Yeah. And then I end up being like and then I end up being like oh dang now I have 4 gigs and I'm teaching 70 hours this week. Why did I do this to myself? And so it's just finding that balance and always trying to not be overcommitted because you have the option to work as much or as little as you want when you right. work for yourself when you're truly in control of that. So making sure that I don't work too much is the greatest challenge for me.
1: <laughs> I I can relate. I think that's one of my greatest challenges too. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so I also wanted to make sure before we leave that we share about your retreat coming up. Cause I know you have this awesome retreat coming up in new Orleans in January. Yes. You're co teaching with yes. Anna Thomas Henry. It's called yes. the fly circle retreat. I'm super excited yes. about it. Can you tell us a little bit more?
0: I'm very excited about fly circle too. This is something that Anna and I have talked about for a long time. So we, we, The two of us, we just love working together, and we love being aerial nerds together, (laughs) and we have so much fun. And we decided that we were going to do a little retreat at my studio in January. It's called the Fly Circle, and it's practical magic for ground air and liminal spaces, is what we're calling it. A deep dive into the art and science of your amazing circus body. So we're taking a lot of what we love to train as far as fundamentals and technique. And we're talking about how we turn that into a creative praxis where you make circus. So it's the things that we're both great at. We're we're both great at technique. We both adore technique anatomy kinesiology biomechanics and all of the nitty-gritty sciency body stuff and we all we both also love the creative practice and we both see such intense correlation between knowing technique and knowing theory Mm-hmm. And being able to create uh, works of circus that are truly your own, so this is what the whole retreat is about: is being able to put those two kinds of practice together. And we're so stoked! And we have we've rented a, a beautiful mansion, the Constance Mansion, in the Garden District, where for everyone to stay, and. Your The price includes 17 hours of instruction, your stay at the mansion, in, a French quarter ghost tour given by a dear friend of mine
1: who oh, does cool. amazing,
0: fun, amazing, fun tours. He's an actor. He's awesome. And dinner in the wine room at Brennan's on Sunday. So that's going to be super muy elegante. Well, I mean,
1: the mansion is... That's that's an experience in itself.
0: Staying <laughs> in the garden. Oh my district, god! It's such incredible, such a beautiful space. Just go to flycircusdotspace slash fly dash circle dash retreat. So, it's you'll you can see the link on my website or or on my Instagram or on your website anywhere. Fly circle, fly circle retreat, fly circus space, and you'll you can see pictures of the mansion and everything where you'll be staying. It's
1: gorgeous. So, and is this like all levels or intermediate, advanced? It's all,
0: it's all levels. It's all levels. Since most of what we're doing is theory and technique, it can meet you where you are at any level.
1: Awesome. And I know both of you for years, Anna thomas and and Mm -hmm. yourself, and I agree. It's a super power team of the two of you Mm -hmm. with all that you know and your background and your approach. And so jump on that if you haven't already joined yeah. them in new Orleans, that sounds amazing. And then I will of course put this in our show notes, but can you also remind everyone where they can find you on Instagram?
0: Yes. You can find me on Instagram at the real Liza Rose, the real Liza Rose all together. All Got those, it. All those words together.
1: Awesome. <laughs> I have really enjoyed hearing a little behind the scenes of your experience working with Lindsay Mm -hmm. Sterling and congratulations again on getting that job. And I'm excited for your retreat in January before we go. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with our audience?
0: I think I'm good. Just that I appreciate you and I appreciate your help on this job. And y'all, if you're wondering whether or not you need to call up circus boss for your circus boss needs, you do. You need that. Because
1: <laughs> For it's all your so circus boss it. needs it.
0: For all your circus boss needs, you know. I like to say I'm an entrepreneurialist. Oh. That's like my that. word. Oh, you just have you started a hashtag with that? I like that. <laughs> I don't know if I have. Maybe I have. <laughs> but yeah, if you also are an entrepreneurialist, call Eile. She will tell you how to boss it up you can do it. Mm. She will help. It's legit. It's legit. Y'all do the thing. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for the -hmm. the
1: plugs. I really appreciate that. And I, I'm just happy that we got you that job. I loved working through the process and the process was enjoyable, even if you didn't get the job, but you know, the icing on top was you got it and you rocked it and I'm proud of you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you.
0: I'm proud of you too, Eileen.
1: Thank you. Yeah. You know, honestly, Circus Boss has been a really beautiful way for me to take the past 20 plus years of my life and then like synthesize it and be like well what worked what didn't work and what Mm -hmm. do other people need help with and it's great like it's really fulfilling and it's healing in a way too because there you know there are things that we don't get right right so things that Mm -hmm. I didn't get right before I'm like okay now that I'm older, wiser, have a little bit more perspective. How could I have done that Mm -hmm. differently? And so it's almost like I'm going back and getting to not that I have any regrets or that that kind of stuff. But, you know, there were times I wasted time or wasted money or didn't present myself in a way that helped me get the job that I wanted or, or whatever it was. But I love going, going back and being able to find better ways of doing things and helping other people succeed. So I'm I I get so excited by this work. It's surprising sometimes. I'll get off a coaching call and I'll run in the other room and be like, Brock, I love this job. I love what I'm doing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm so glad you're doing it. I think it's perfect for you. When I saw that you were starting this up, I was like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Like immediately I was like, yeah, Eileen is definitely the right person to do that. Like, yes, it's an excellent pivot. Good job. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you. And listeners, you can follow Liza Rose, the real Liza Rose on Instagram. The website again is Fly Circus Space. Is that correct?
0: Fly Circus dot space.
1: Fly dot space. And mm-hmm. thanks for being on the Circus Boss podcast, Liza. Yeah. Thank you, Ailey. So that was my interview with Liza Rose, and I wanted to share the two biggest takeaways that I had from the episode, because I'm always asking people what their biggest takeaways are, and two things that stood out for me. So one of them, and I do talk about this a lot, but it was really cool to see it in action, is, you know, clients often ask you for a thing and most of the time they don't know what the actual process is to make that thing happen. They're just like, oh, I saw this on TV or I imagined this thing. Can you do it? And then you have to decide, yes, I have the skills and expertise and time to do that. But how are you going to do that? How are you going to achieve that? That can be part of your proposal to show them, yes, This person actually does know how to do this, but it also gets you on the same page so that if timelines change or circumstances change, they still know, oh, wait, to get this thing to happen, we still have to go through all these steps that they've outlined here. So they're not blindly putting you into circumstances where you actually can't deliver what you've said you're going to do because they don't know they've actually cut out an important part of the process by taking away that extra week in the theater or whatever it may be. So sharing the process instills confidence that you know what you're doing. It can help you win the work more, but then it also can help keep you on the same page so that you all can be more successful at the end of the day. So in Liza's example, I really applaud her because that is part of what helped her get the job because of her years of teaching and choreographing and producing. She could make a plan in her brain of how to do this. How do you get Lindsay, which we didn't even talk about this that much in the interview, but so Lindsay Sterling, the musician herself plays violin. She wanted to do a trapeze act while playing violin. And so Liza choreographed that for her. They sent a mock violin to Liza in New Orleans so she could use it and play on trapeze. And Lindsay is not an aerialist. So, but Liza understood the steps needed to make that happen. And it was a complete success. And she choreographed a couple of aerial acts for her dancers as well. So she knew how to take them from point A to B. She mapped that out in the proposal so that everyone was on the same page, even though timelines did change, but they knew, oh, these are the steps that we need to have in there. So that's one big takeaway. It was really cool to see. I talk about process a lot. and It was fun to see that in action. The other part that stood out for me was when Liza was talking about imposter syndrome, which everybody runs into at one point in their life or multiple points or every day. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm raising my hand. I definitely deal with imposter syndrome. And what Liza mentioned was like, okay, so I've done this thing. I've done that thing. I've done this thing. I feel confident in those, but this is a new thing. I've never done this before. So even someone that was super experienced could still have that moment of feeling like, do I really know how to do this? Because I haven't done it before. But of course she does and she did and she rocked it. But I loved how she said the process of creating a, a, a formal proposal not only helped her get the job, but it helped her have confidence in what she was doing and that she could do it. So it was just that process of her getting out onto paper, the like we talked about before the process of how to get from point A to point B, that instilled confidence in herself. But then also we picked out relevant work experience that she has that's similar. Maybe not exactly the same thing, but very similar in the same world, the same context of this job. So then all of that showed her, hell yeah, I can do this job. Because I mean, I believed in her. (laughs) I know her capabilities and her skill set. But, you know, sometimes it takes that other person or sometimes it takes that process to sit down and map it all out and say, you know what, according to this paper, I can do this job. Therefore, I'm going to believe this paper. <laughs> I'm going to believe this document and I'm going to have confidence in myself. So if you struggle with imposter syndrome, uh, just getting things on paper sometimes helps. I'll, I'll just wrap up with a quick story. I lived in South America in Chile for a while in Arica in the north. And for a moment there, I was working on paperwork to get my visa to kind of stay there for a while and teach. I was teaching yoga and dance. Uh, this was actually where I started my aerial journey, believe it or not. I don't think I talk about that that much. That's where I was introduced to Ariel the first time. But the point of my story is to get my visa, I had to write my curriculum by Tay. And their CVs are like everything, It's not the one page or two pager that we do here in the States. At at least at that point in time, it was list everything you've ever done. Like the more pages, the better. (laughs) So like, I think I ended up with seven or eight pages. I'm not sure. But the process of going through and listing every place I've trained, every workshop I've done, everywhere I've taught, everywhere I've choreographed, everywhere I've performed, And mind you, this was before I started Animate Objects. This was way earlier on in my career. But still, at that point in time, I had like seven, I don't know, seven or eight pages. And the process of writing all of that out was such a confidence booster for me. It actually inspired me to start a dance company in Arica, where I was living at the time. We called it Arica Dance Collective. And I just felt it was selfish of me to not teach and to not choreograph and to not share all these skills that I had. After seeing them all on paper, I felt like I have to share all of this knowledge that I have with the community I was working with. Not all of them had the funds to be able to go and leave and travel all of the places that I had been to learn these things. So it was almost like, well, I'm here. I need to impart the knowledge that I have learned even at a bare minimum, like I need to be teaching. I need to be sharing my, my knowledge and my experience. And that led to then we started a dance company in Arica for um, a couple of years. It was a fabulous and fun, incredible experience. It was actually the what gave me confidence to start Animate Objects when I moved back to the States because I had started a small informal dance company. Anyways, I'm off track here. But the process, it I think it took me like, I don't know, a week to really just like go through all of my memory. And this was before I was using Google Cal. I didn't have an iPhone. I couldn't just go through all my photos and see what I did on what date. Like I had to like really stroll down memory lane. But writing it all out was such a confidence booster. If you're feeling like it's a begrudging task to update your resume, here's a little way to look at it differently. It can be a confidence booster right? And so if you are feeling down, or maybe you're needing a little help getting through some imposter syndrome, maybe go revamp your resume, maybe rewrite your bio, maybe that will help you remember how awesome you are. So those are my thoughts for the day. (laughs) Thank you for being here. I'm going to have all of Liza's links in the show notes again. You can still join her and Anna Thomas Henry in New Orleans for Fly Circle Retreat. And thank you for all of the love letters that you send us in our DMs on Insta and Facebook. You can continue the conversation with us in our Facebook group. You can find that at circusboss.com/community. It takes you right to the Facebook group. And share the podcast far and wide with all of your colleagues we love right now we're experiencing like a a pickup of momentum of growth right now new people finding us I think it's an exciting time of year people are like ready to tackle the business things so we're here for you there's so many ways that we can help whatever your big visions are so don't be afraid to reach out and ask us let us know what you need help with and I'll be honest if it's not in my wheelhouse we'll find someone else that can help you So I hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'll see you soon. Keep being a circus boss.